Welcome to the January 2017 JPEN podcast. This month, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Joseph Bulata regarding the Aspen Safe Practices for Enteral Nutrition Therapy. Welcome, Dr. Bulata. Thank you, Dr. Tappenden. You worked on this Safe Practices Guideline with a number of individuals. Was it a task force that you worked with? Yes, it was. So uh, the Aspen Board of Directors put together this this task force and charged us with with a, a couple of things. One being, the major one being, to revise the 2009 document that looked at enteral practice guidelines. That one, of course, has been widely cited and accessed over time. So the idea was to prepare a document on safe practices in enteral nutrition therapy. And the group, the task force, uh, quite an enthusiastic group of very dedicated professionals, experts across uh, across disciplines who volunteered a lot of time and certainly energy to work on this project. Very good. Now, what types of things have changed since that 2009 document? I know it's still highly downloaded and remains a resource for many individuals. Why was there a need to do a new one and to revise it? Well, a couple of things. So that that 2009 document was more of a a narrative review looking across central nutrition and uh, coming up with practice recommendations. The idea with the the newer document was to say, well, we're not going to do a a full narrative review. There are certainly uh, chapters and textbooks out there that cover central nutrition from A to Z, but uh, let's focus very specifically on safety issues, safe safe practices. And it was rather interesting because the uh, the original 2009 document, I think we had a little bit over 100 different recommendations. This newer document, which we thought was going to be a little bit more concise, actually ended up ends up with over 300 uh, practice recommendations. Now, what methodology did you use to assess the literature? You know, often with our guidelines, we we adopt the grade methodology, but this isn't necessarily a guideline, is it? Tell us how you went about this. Yeah, so very interesting. So the the idea, I guess, originally was to say, well, we're going to provide these recommendations, and they should be based on on evidence, or without having adequate data to at least have uh, come to a consensus among the experts uh, to support, you know, safe practice uh, recommendations. And so as we we started out, we actually, how we we proceeded with this was to identify key questions that are really related to practice issues with, with safety implications and came up with a long list of questions and then the group went into the, the literature and said, well, let's let's look and see what data are out there. And of course, when it turned out that there wasn't a whole lot of really strong evidence, we wouldn't be able to really use the grade process. And so we really fell back on saying, well, for much of the work that we would be doing, it will be based on, on uh, consensus. So we actually have a, a, a mixture of some evidence and uh, expert consensus based on the, the information that's out in the literature. Okay, very good. So that clarifies your methodology. You have divided it into various sections. Was that just based on the model of enteral nutrition process? 
Yes, exactly. So we took the, the enteral nutrition process, which is that system within which enteral nutrition is being used, everything from the initial patient assessment through each of the steps. And we said, well, as we sit and come up with these practice-related questions that we want to ask, we basically divvied them up into those questions that could be allotted to each one of the major steps um, in the pathway. And that's basically how we broke it up. And then given the fact that the document is so long, we certainly broke the document up the same way. So we actually have 12 different sections throughout this, uh, this lengthy document broken up. And within each section, there's a nice background. Then there'll be the, the question that was posed, the very specific concise practice recommendations for that question, and then a rationale really describing either the evidence and or the rationale for coming to a specific consensus uh, for those practice recommendations. And of course, references are cited throughout the, uh, throughout the document. Yeah, I find that to be a very excellent aspect of this, the way it's set up with the background and then the practice questions, the references and rationale right there. I think it's very didactic in nature for those individuals who may be early in their, their practice experience. Now, with this background or framework in mind, can you highlight some of the areas where you came up with recommendations that may differ from those that we adopted in 2009? Well, I, th I think there were a, a few areas where we probably had made some modifications, partly because of, of newer data. But there are other areas where, again, having a, a large group with uh, many years of, of practice experience, we actually even reflected on some of the same issues we probably addressed before, but were able to provide more, more complete recommendations. And again, the focus, the lens that we used really was looking at safety. So it was all about you know, identifying issues that, you know, practices that, that are going to maximize patient benefit while, while minimizing adverse events. And when we think about the, the adverse events, we kind of had a, a two-prong approach. One would be the clinical complications that can occur with enteral nutrition, and things like you know, refeeding syndrome or GI complications or such. And then some of the, the more process-related types of errors, so things like a prescribing errors or misconnections, you know, between the administration set and the uh, access device, for example. So a lot of that was, as we went through that, it became apparent that, yes, there have been case reports of uh, these various types of, of adverse events, and again, people perhaps haven't studied those to identify, you know, a, a best recommendation. But again, from expert consensus, we were able to come up with recommendations that we think would be uh, most appropriate for preventing some of those adverse events. I think misconnections is an absolutely excellent example of where there's been a lot of a lot of advancements since 2009. Right. What about gastric residuals? The new critical care guidelines that came out last year put a different slant on the, the importance of gastric residuals. What what do you, does your group conclude in this in this document? Well, thanks for highlighting that one. And uh, what we actually did was we wanted to make sure there was consistency, certainly uh, amongst the various uh, Aspen documents. And we certainly ended up coming up with very much the same the same guidances, if you will. So that our practice recommendations are not um, different from those that that were um, expressed in that um, critical care document. I'm also interested in how the group approached 
documentation now that electronic health records are a prominent feature compared to 2009? Were there any recommendations that changed or were specific to electronic documentation? I don't recall the, the specifics, uh, but certainly um, documentation ended up being really important. In each one of the sections, we had very specific practice recommendations, being sure that documentation is made, particularly anytime there's uh, double checks made, and reference usually to the fact that this is done in an electronic um, type of a record. So, yes, we, we certainly addressed that. Okay, so this document goes through assessing the patient, prescribing the enteral nutrition regimen, reviewing the order, procurement, administration, monitoring and reassessment. It's very, very comprehensive in nature. So for a new practitioner that really wants to, to engage in the whole document, are there any, any other suggestions that you would have with regard to how they can access this information? Will there be talks? or a seminar that they might be able to go to at Clinical Nutrition Week or an upcoming podcast? What can you tell us about those that may want to have different access to this information um, beyond the written document? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and the written document itself, of course, is very valuable and not meant to be read all at one point in time, of course. So people will actually access it and probably looking for a very specific question at, at a one point in time. But um, Aspen, over the last uh, few months, put together a enteral nutrition safety webinar series, and that that's certainly available for, for people to go to, either to look at the entire series, which they can actually even get a, a certificate of enteral nutrition safety, or um, just go and, and access a, a single one of those uh, webinars. And they would do that through the Aspen website, correct? Correct. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you so very much for the time and effort that, that you and your colleagues took to put together this outstanding document. I think that we will all be better for the safe practices that are outlined in it. For our readers, please do see the January 2017 issue of JPEN, where you can review the Aspen Safe Practices for Enteral Nutrition Therapy Consensus Recommendation, co-authored by Dr. Bulata and his colleagues. Thank you, Dr. Bulata. Thank you.